so you can tell we've really gotten comfortable with the podcast if you're mm. just going to put the Diet Mountain Dew out there without even a container to hide it in. Do you think that, first of all, this can is empty? Is it empty? It is. Well, that where did it go? <laughs> this can is here because I'm here to talk to you today about Diet Mountain Dew. And diabetes. <laughs> I'm here to talk to you about uh, Diet Mountain Dew evangelism. All right, let's move on. Yeah. So uh, welcome to the DC Podcast. Welcome. I'm Russell Berger. Just drawing attention to yourself. <laughs> I'm Sean DeMars. And uh, on this episode of the podcast, I thought we would talk about something that uh, I posted on Instagram and Facebook on our <sighs> Defend and Confirm okay. pages. What was that exasperated sigh? Just comment sections. Just comments on the yeah. internet. Yeah, it's mm. usually a, it's just usually not even worth responding to most of them. To be fair, though, I think if there's anybody on planet Earth who may be called and gifted to that particular ministry, it is you, Russell Berger. And for $1 a day, you can support me <laughs> you on really my can. internet missionary journey. You can be an internet missionary. That's actually a thing. I know. I was joking, but that's people do that. I know. Anyway, uh, that's a different episode. So, yeah, so I posted on, uh, on our Facebook page, Defend and Confirm, uh, what I thought was a funny picture of how iTunes was trying to say that our podcast was related to these other you know, six or so podcasts and half of them were just straight up false teachers. Yeah. And I pointed that out. I thought humorously. I thought it was hilarious. And, uh, you know, just ask people to have a little better theological discernment than iTunes does. And I got a couple really not so happy people mm -hmm. telling me that calling out false teachers is wrong. And there's kind of two camps that these comments came from two points of view. One is, how can you say with any certainty that what you believe is right and what someone else believes is wrong? That's right. wrong. Right. You can't do that. That's arrogant. You shouldn't do that. Mm -hmm. uh, and then the other camp was actually from other people who said they're Christians saying, look, this is, this is not how the Bible tells us to engage with other people. Yeah. Jesus didn't call out false teachers. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, yeah. Uh, nowhere in the new Testament do we see anybody calling out false mm -hmm. teachers or telling people to call out false teachers. It's unloving. It's judgmental. Mm -hmm. You shouldn't do that. Yeah. So, so basically how can you know that you're right and other people are wrong? This isn't biblical yeah. and it's unloving, unkind. Yeah. Those are three things, not two. Three Russell. things. Okay. You got okay. it. Three things. I'm going to read one of them to you. Let's do it. To say that one person has all the answers and another person does not requires a certain amount of arrogance. A certain amount. Requires arrogance mm -hmm. to say one person has all the answers and the yeah. other person does not. Are you saying that you have all the answers? Well, apparently he thought I was. Okay. Yeah, which is mistake number one. Yeah. So saying that this person is a false teacher, is that implying that we know everything with 100% no. certainty? No, I can see that somebody's done a math problem incorrectly. That doesn't mean I know calculus. Right. And it doesn't mean that I'm saying that I know calculus. It just means that four plus two doesn't equal nine. So let's let's define false teacher then. Yeah. False teacher is not someone who has every single thing wrong. No. And in fact, a lot of what we would call false teachers teach things that are also true. If you go and listen to Benny Hinn talk about the atonement. And this is the Benny Hinn, the televangelist. The televangelist. Superstar. The, the kind of like uh, the false teachers to end all false teachers, right? The The... the <laughs> alpha false teacher if you listen to excerpts on him preaching on the atonement 
it sounds like penal substitutionary atonement. He's doing a great job, in my opinion. Right. And then he mixes right. that with what? With a whole bunch of air. Yeah. yeah. And so we see some of the most dangerous teachers in the church are teachers who sound really good and then just slip something in there that is absolutely foundationally wrong. That's right. Now, that doesn't mean we know everything correctly, but that means there's some fundamental truths that scripture is so clear on and are yeah. so fundamental to the gospel yeah. that we can have certainty about them. Yeah. The, the thing about calling out false teachers <clears throat> is it's actually an exercise in humility. It can be an exercise in humility. It can also be an exercise in pride. But when, when you say, hey, what this person say, saying is false, what you're really doing is you, you're not saying, hey, I have all the answers in myself. Right. You're not saying I'm the smartest, I'm the most intelligent. You're saying God's word. And I'm as a, <laughs> a millennial, as I hold up my phone, as I hold up my God's Bible word. app. God, <laughs> let me pull this Bible. Let me pull this really thick leather-bound Bible off go. the shelf. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Smells of rich mahogany. God's word, there it is, uh, has the answers. And so... We're not saying that we know everything and you don't know anything. I'm saying what you're saying is out of line with what God has said. Right. Which and I think is clear. I think so too. Right. And I think that's one of the presuppositions that underlies these kind of criticisms mm -hmm. is those who would say, well, no, it's not clear. Scripture is just a bunch of, you know, hard to understand stuff and everybody's got their own interpretation. Mm -hmm. And who are you to say your interpretation mm -hmm. is right and someone else's is wrong. Uh, and to that, I got to say, we worship a God of truth. Mm -hmm. We worship a powerful God who can and has clearly communicated those things that need to be known by us for our salvation. That's right. And you can tell me that that's not true all day till you're blue in the face. And the self-authenticating nature of scripture tells me uh, otherwise. I see what you're about to do. Let's, let's back it up and keep, uh, okay. yeah, that's so, for another episode. Another episode. But scripture speaks plainly and clearly yes. on those matters that pertain to our salvation. Yeah, that's and, right. And those core... We, so we don't know... We don't say that we know everything. We don't know everything. But we do think that the Bible is clear. We do think the Bible is clear. Look at Matthew 23. Uh, Jesus confronting the religious leaders of his day. Yeah. He didn't say, hey guys, I know you've read things this way. I know you've thought about them this way. Let me try yeah. and sell you on my point of view. Yeah. No, Jesus said, have you not read? Mm-hmm. He held them accountable to the mm -hmm. written word of God as a standard that they were accountable to. Yeah. He held them to that standard as if, I mean, it's almost as if they should have known what it said. Yeah. It, it is. It is as if they should have known. As what it said. if it should have been clear. Right. Yeah. Can we talk about some examples of, of like, uh, places where the Bible is clear, for example, about calling out false teachers? Yeah. Uh, you mean like examples of people in scripture calling out false yeah. teachers? Yeah, Paul does it all the time. Because like what, what I want to do here is just kind of respond to this argument, the second argument that you see there or that we've kind of enumerated is that, you know, uh, scripture doesn't tell us to do that. Right. Uh, Paul, does he call out false teachers? Uh, yeah, he calls out a bunch of false teachers. I, I tried to count how many false teachers that Paul called out, and I feel like it was at least eight. Um, he called out by name. Uh let me see here. Philetus, Hymenaeus, uh, Demas, Alexander the coppersmith. I mean, mm. these just the list goes on. Yeah. In his letters to the churches that he was exhorting to defend and confirm the gospel, yeah. he was calling out these false teachers, identifying them, mm -hmm. uh, marking them. Mm. Paul uses that language in marking Scripture. Marking them. Yeah. And marking them so that he could expose their false teaching and protect his brothers and sisters in Christ from being led astray. 
Second John. Second John says that those who go out, right, thinking the context of these kind of traveling evangelists, right, uh, Benny Hinn, right, traveling evangelists, right. Reinhard Bonnke kind of a thing. Uh, South African people might appreciate that reference. Not as big here in America. Mm. Uh, but it says those who go out with these false teachings, they're, they're antichrists. Yeah. Lowercase a antichrist, right? And what makes them an antichrist is that Christ came to tell the truth about the gospel, to tell the truth about God and man and the sin problem and how to fix it, okay? These antichrists, they're going out telling lies about Jesus. They're communicating... Uh, yeah, they're, they're lying about who Jesus is, who God is, what God has done in Christ to save us. And when they do that, they're literally acting like anti-Christ. Mm -hmm. They are, if Christ came to fix our relationship with God, these antichrists are coming and obstructing, further obstructing our salvation. That's right. Yeah. So fundamental issue number one that underlies these criticisms is the belief that we can't know with certainty truths from God's word. Yeah. And that's just not the case. Yeah. Number two fundamental assumption is that the New Testament doesn't call us or give examples in the ministry of Jesus and the apostles of people calling out false teachers. And that's just, that's just, that's, that's just, just so far just, from true. Hey bro, read your Bible. Yeah. Um, that, that is, I mean, Jesus is continually not just, not just approaching the false teachers uh, and criticizing them for their legalism or condemning them for uh, the way they've kind of built fences around the law, but mm -hmm. correcting their doctrine. Mm-hmm exposing their departure and their deviation mm -hmm. from God's word and, and doing so very bluntly. Mm -hmm. um, and then I think number three there is so, sort of the, the next underlying sort of false assumption about this exposure of false teachers is maybe it's not a false assumption, but it seems to me to be a real lack of appreciation for and acknowledgement of the peril that lost people are in. Yeah. And it's easy to see, especially with, I mean, we're sarcastic. We like memes. Mm. It's, we're going to say things in lighthearted, jesting ways. Yeah. But at the end of the day, I want you to know that T.D. Jakes and Joel Osteen and all these other false yeah. teachers are false teachers, not out of a sense of arrogance and pride, as no. if I am just smarter than them. Right. As if it wasn't the grace of God that's helped open my eyes to these truths. Jesus asked Peter, who do people say that I am? Peter gives the right doctrinal answer. You're you're the Christ. You're the Messiah. Jesus says, "Well, hey, good for you, but you know your Father in Heaven revealed that to you." Right. It's right? not that you're just clever. That's right. That's the same that's true of us. I want people to know that these false teachers are false teachers, because my heart is aching for those people who are literally being led to an eternity in hell right. by that false doctrine. Right. And, and that's the reason why God is so severe with false teachers, right? The severity with which we attack uh, a false gospel and uh, the wolves who perpetuate these false gospels is really in line with the heart of God in light of his love for lost people. If you don't see false teaching as spiritual murder mm. and a, such a serious sin yeah. that is leading people to hell, then... I can see why you would think it was unnecessary to call them out. Yeah, you, you just don't you don't understand the gospel and that's right in all of its fullness. Now, there's a difference between a false teacher and a Christian who believes erroneous things about the gospel. Absolutely. Uh, 
if a man comes to town and he sets up a stage in the middle of the city and he, or if a, if a pastor down the road has had a ministry for 10 years here and every Sunday he gets in the pulpit and says things like Jesus isn't God or the Trinity isn't in the Bible or works-based salvation, insert whatever kind of heresy you want to, that's different than Jane in your congregation who, you know, man, she just likes Joel Osteen. Yeah. Great I mean, smile. Have you not held beliefs that you thought were true and then yeah. were later corrected by yeah. scripture through a brother and sister in Christ? Absolutely. Yeah, you know, so the tone that you take with a brother or sister or somebody maybe that you're not even sure is a brother or sister because of what they believe, right? But you take a different tone with that person than That's you right. do someone who has a public ministry, who's being intentional about trying to communicate something that you believe is leading people to hell. One is yeah. a wounded sheep potentially. The other is a wolf who's there to massacre the sheep. Right. There are there are brothers and sisters in Christ who've just been deceived yeah. and misled. And then there are those who are deceivers yeah. who are out actively trying to deceive. And, and you're right. that There's a big distinction we have to make in our interactions with mm -hmm. others. Um, well, and they don't actually even have to know that they're trying to deceive. Yeah. Yeah. They don't. But but the fruit of their ministry shows that. You treat the threat like a threat. If somebody comes knocking on the door of my house and asks me for money, I'm going to treat them one way. If somebody breaks into my house in the middle of the night, I'm not going to say, hey, buddy, are you down on your luck? Do you need something? Can I help you? I'm going to get my gun. That, that, not that one. I not hope. that one. No. <laughs> uh, I'm going to get my gun and I'm going to point it at the intruder. Because I love my family. That's right. Right? I'm going to treat the threat like a threat. Now, maybe after I have him subdued and the cops are there and he's in handcuffs, I'll say, hey, buddy, you know, what, what's going on? Can we talk? You know, what's going on in your life that led you to do this? But you treat the threat like a threat. The shepherd sees a wolf come. He doesn't try to pet the wolf, try to discern the wolf's heart. He attacks the wolf because he loves the sheep. Now, so does that mean you don't love the wolf? No, you, you do, but you, there's a prioritization of your love, right? Uh, when a thief breaks into my house or a murderer breaks into my house in the middle of the night, uh, I my priority is to love my wife and kids. Right, so if a false teacher comes and starts handing out books to your brothers and sisters in your congregation... We murder him. <laughs> you, you pull out your Glock, as yeah. Sean taught. Uh, no, you, you treat the wolf as a wolf for the sake of loving your flock, That's loving right. your congregants, and then also... I mean, pray for the false teacher. Yeah. We and, love the false teacher yeah. enough to want to pray for his eyes to be opened as well. And if I can build a relationship with that false teacher, I absolutely will. But I will not build a public relationship with the hopes of converting him through ministry cooperation. And that's probably for another That is episode. probably, that's yeah. a great point. And I think we should expand on that. Yeah. But to put it simply, we're not going to make concessions to try and be buddies with someone who's teaching false things. No. We're going to build a relationship, yeah. not bridge theologies. I mean, John is just so clear. You can't, when he says, don't extend the hand of fellowship, don't receive this person into your home. What he means is just don't let anybody look at the way you interact with this person. And, and in such, don't, don't interact with this person in such a way that would lead somebody to believe that we're on the same team. Right. Definitely that, a different episode. Yeah. That's a, that's a, that's that kind of interaction says this is a friendly person. Whereas that's not the way you interact with a wolf. Agreed. Keep a wolf at, at, at a distance. Now, are there ways that you can be theologically right? Mm -hmm. Like identifying false teachers. Check. You're theologically right. That is a false teacher. Two, uh, calling them out publicly, mm -hmm. which theologically we see perfect uh, warrant for and examples of in Scripture. And that three, 
do it in a way that's really ineffective and potentially undermines the gospel. Yeah. What does that look like? Man, just acting like you've got it all together that, that, you know, that it's not by divine grace that you know the truth, right? right? The fact is, is that we are all suppressors of the truth in our natural state. Romans one, Romans chapter one. We, we, not only are we suppressors of the truth, but we hate truth. Right. Mm. And the only reason that any of us knows anything good and right and true about God and how we can be saved and be made to have a right relationship with God is because God has graciously revealed those truths to us. He's softened our hearts so that we can hear those truths. And there is a tone that you can communicate your rebuke with or in, you know, the tone that you can use when you when you rebuke someone that doesn't communicate that. That's right. So always preach the gospel. If necessary, use memes. Is that what we're talking about here? I think that was uh, erroneously attributed to St. Francis of Assisi. Mm. You don't think that's him? No. Okay. I'll tell you why. Because the Vulgate text, I don't know. (laughs) Good try. You looked really smart for a minute. Yeah. Uh, And hey, that's a good place to acknowledge the fact that we're not that smart. No. And we are basically able to identify and call out false teachers for no reason other than the fact that we have God's word and we're sticking to it. Yeah, that's right. That's one of the things actually, while you bring it up, let me, can I go off on a rabbit trail on the rabbit? That's one of the things that I think is cool about this podcast thing that we're doing here because, uh, you know, James white, how many degrees does that guy have? Too many, too many, (laughs) right? One time somebody tried to correct his Greek on an episode of alpha and omega ministries. And and he said, that's their first mistake. (laughs) Yeah. He said, I've been teaching Greek, you know, like, yeah, yeah, you have guys like Jeff Durbin, they're fantastic, but he gets to like, this is his full time job, right? This is mm-hmm. what he does, man. I'm a, I'm a dad. I have two kids. I'm a, I'm a pastor full time, right? You have a, we, we don't need to get into it, but you have a, a very time occupying situation in your life. Right. Uh, and you know, we didn't go to, we didn't, we don't have a degree in apologetics. That's right. I haven't right? even read any of these books. <laughs> I don't even know how to read. What, what we are are two very average guys yep. who are just trying to do what we think anybody can do, which is read scripture and apply it. And be faithful to what God has called us to do in applying it. Yeah. And I think anybody, I think you're right, anybody can do that. And my hope is, watching episodes like this, we'll just be able to equip, equip people with the tools and the ways of thinking and the categories for thinking that'll allow them to do that as well. Yeah, when, when, you, when you watch a Mark Dever talk about you know, how to build a healthy church. It can be intimidating because you're like, I'm not Mark Dever. Mm-hmm. When you watch James White debate somebody about the gospel, it can be intimidating because you're like, I'm not James White. But you know what? You could be a Sean. Anybody can be a Sean. Anybody can be a Sean. <laughs> if I can do it, you can do it because God's word is sufficient. That's right. And as long as we have that, we can be equipped for every good work that God has called us to, especially the good work of defending and confirming the gospel. That's like three plugs in one episode. I just wrapped it up like nice. All right. Bow. Final parting thoughts. Uh, how about a book? Yeah. Stuff you should read. Praying uh, with Paul. Praying with Paul by D.A. Carson, which I think stands for Don Alfred. Don Alfred. Oh, I didn't know that. I don't actually know that. A little that. bit of D.A. Carson I'm, trivia. I'm okay. messing that up. I, it's not actually Alfred. Don, if you're watching this, can you just leave a comment in <laughs> Russell's Instagram feed? Uh, yeah, I know it's Don. I don't know what his middle initial is. Oh, well, uh, D.A. Carson, uh, this is a fantastic book. Yeah. Um, I think it originally had a different title. This is like a reprint. Yeah, that's true. Uh, a Call to Spiritual Reformation, Praying with Paul. Basically, what, what Carson does here is he walks through uh, the New Testament 
examples of prayer that we mm-hmm. see in scripture and gives a framework for thinking about prayer, a theology of prayer, and some really useful practical points on how to uh, improve your prayer, how to pray more in line with what scripture calls you to pray for and how to pray more in line with the way Paul himself teaches prayer. Now that's a very positive way to talk about this book. I'm about to uh, attack people with the way that I promote the book. You Do ready? Uh, if you only ever pray a hedge of protection around people when you pray, if you only ever pray for safe travels or for your Aunt Sally's hip or for your kind of material needs in the moment, uh, this book will help you learn how to pray better than that. Um, yeah. Because you don't really see that in the New Testament. No. Old Testament, maybe? Maybe. Uh, yeah. But just in general, I think, I think we as evangelicals, uh, we're not good at praying. Yeah. I think we tend to have very shallow, short, uh, ineffectual in prayers. And I think prayers a lot of that, that... Sorry, go ahead. I would say it's, we're sinners. Yeah. And unless we are being led by Scripture and trying to conform our hearts and our minds and the way we're praying to the way God's Word directs us to pray, yeah. we're, we're not going to see our prayers in line with how Paul prays to the, yeah. to the Thessalonians. Well, he doesn't pray to the Thessalonians. Sorry, sorry. Dear Thessalonians, <laughs> uh, Paul prays... It's been a long it's day. It's been a long day. Paul prays... Uh, but this is definitely our first podcast of the day. Paul Go prays God centered prayers, right? That's right. Paul, Paul prays the gospel over people, right? Which is very different than, oh, God, we just want to come before you, God, and let you know, God, that we love you, God. We just want to ask you, God. Lord God, Father God. <laughs> Lord God. Just, just be with us, God. Mm. And, and not to, I mean, yes, we are making fun of how we have even prayed before. Yeah. Um, but I've gotten so much out of that book and I just so helpful. can't recommend so it helpful. enough. Yeah. So, so DA Carson, buy it, read it. Where yeah. else, where else can people hear about us? Uh, Instagram, Facebook, yeah. YouTube. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're on uh Podbean. bean pod. I don't even know what that is. It's the thing that we put our podcasts on that hosts them so that I can then put them on iTunes where people will actually find them. Really? Yeah. Okay. So yeah, be sure to follow us and leave a review. Uh, that's it. Hey, before I go, do you know where, uh, Solomon's temple is located? I'll do this again. No, where's it located? On his head. All right, that's all. Take care. All right.